push it up. All that soft talking. I know you can do it, man. You got to, you got to. Let's shut that soft ass shit up. Man. You ain't with me. Right. I was trying, don't get me wrong. What, what, what about when this one, what about when this one man was around? Like I said, I was trying. They had promoters that didn't bring them to my side and wouldn't allow me to come to this side unless it was on his turn. Chris, would you have been interested? Before we get to that. They call me the problem, but you could call me the can man, because anybody can get me. Africans, Americans, Dominicans, Mexicans, anybody can. I got, I, lost, I got robbed of a gold medal in the Olympics, which really basically f***ed me off. So I had something to prove. When you got something to prove, it makes it, you're a different fighter. You know it's going to be a good week in boxing when you get both David Hay and Tyson Fury doing the media rounds in the same week. 0% facts, 0% common sense, 100% clickbait, right? Now, uh, and... Everyone's got to remember, I'm a massive David Hay fan. I probably always will be. He, he's not what I call like a box rec great. So you don't go down his, his record and go, this is a once-in-a-lifetime talent. But what you do is you look at his effect on boxing in this country. And there's no question most of what we've grown to accept as normal comes from David. You know, with the branded T-shirts, like the you know the well-produced, well-designed branded T-shirts. You know, the partnering with sportswear companies. You know, the all of that. You know, the the modeling, the the drift into celebrity, and sort of that crown's been handed down to like Chris Eubank Jr. for example. Joshua's taken it, but probably not hit the same heights. Man, some of the brands David got to work with back in the day, man, high-end watch brands, high-end cars, everything. It was it was mind-blowing how how he moved the needle in terms of boxing in a way that no one's come close to since they're trying with Conor Ben and I see how and why and I think he's the right guy to to go behind but David Hay was he was a pioneer in a lot of ways so it hurts me to see the grift and that's what this thriller thing is by David it's a it's a grift and I'm I'm not against him boxing as a legend by the way because this is thriller legends fighting I'm not against this because I think I've said it for a long time. I always thought there was a space in boxing for the older guys to make a few quid. No more than six rounds. Give them bigger gloves. And let's just get the nostalgia out of our system. But you've got to put David in with guys that it makes sense to put him in with. Yeah. Would I put him in with uh, Joe Fournier? No. Um, I know both guys. Joe Fournier, he's not a boxer in the way that David is. And here's the thing people don't realize. Those skills never leave you. You're a little bit slower. Okay, the Achilles is a bit fragile. But I always go back to a story. And I saw this with my own eyes. Anthony Small, like former like, middleweight contender, hell of a fighter, had one of the hardest left hooks, pound for pound, I've ever been hit by. So Smalls, he came to the gym I was at at the time, double jab. Now, I swear at this point he was under surveillance by MI5 and, you know, the police and the, the National Crime Agent. He was under surveillance because he was, he, was moving, he was moving a bit too hot. So he comes into the gym and it's a bit like, well, okay, what do we do now? We can't just kick him out immediately. So he, he, he trains 
and he's got a broken ankle. Remember this, Anthony Small has a broken ankle, so he's got the plastic boot on his leg. And he's hitting the bag on one leg. Like he's stood on one leg, he's dragging the other one. And I remember him going, can I do a few rounds of sparring? I'm like, man, it's not going to be safe, man. These kids are, they're terrors in there. And he was like, no, I'll be fine. Whacked him in with everybody. And all he'd do is he'd just drift to the ropes, maneuver the space, uppercut, hook, straight, back on his jab, slide around to the other part of the rope. And he just, he, you could see that he'd built up so much skill and ring now that no matter how young, fast, and athletic you were, he knew how to nullify you. And that's what you're going to see with David, I think. He's going to old man Joe Fournier. And there's probably a gentleman's agreement about how the fight will go. I won't watch it just because, while I respect the grift, I think this is a grift I can't, <laughs> I can't get behind this grift. Man. It, it, it's absolutely insane that these guys are going to make seven figures just for this. And the problem essentially with this is, I don't think the American audience is that well-versed in David Hay. Because remember, David was a cruiserweight and he kind of flirted with heavyweight. But they're going to have to remind the Americans pretty hard. And David's going to be in the shadow of Evander. So I think when David first signed up to the fight, it was strategically a smart move because you align yourself with Oscar. And don't forget, David fought on a Golden Boy card back in the day. So it's not like David doesn't know Oscar. That's how this whole link-up came through. But you have to really sell David to the Americans. I think they'll like him. And you'll show the highlights. You go, oh my God, he could fight. But he's not a star over there. And so we've got this farce on Saturday. And, you know, David is in full, full apples and pears mode. To say, now he's punishing me now. I'm not sure if I can come out of this when you're breathing the blood in. It's not nice. We've all done that before. You haven't. All of us know the taste of blood. Spitting out when you can't breathe through your nose. And you've ruptured eye socket. Perforated eardrum. We've all had it. You haven't. But you're gonna. But how much of it can you take? That's the question. I, 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 you could feel the passion from the young guy there. No one can question the passion here. But people are gonna question the passion. We're gonna find out. We're gonna, I'm looking forward to it. I'd like to believe you could get past three rounds. I believe, or two rounds, maybe, if you're... If you really, if you take some severe punishment, you may get through the second and third round, maybe. Why are we talking? It's pretty terrible stuff. I mean, sack your scriptwriter, if nothing else. It was, it was abject. And it comes back to this thing. And he gave an interview to the BBC. And I think this exemplifies the point. Where David's view is, right, boxing's changing. Like, people want to see me in the same way they want to see the Expendables. No, 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 they don't, right? I like the Expendables because I get to see Arnie, Sly, Bruce Willis and so forth, but I know they're backed by stunt doubles. And for the more dangerous stuff, they'll use CGI, so I know that these guys are relatively safe. I worry greatly about Evander Holyfield. My, my only solace is that these MMA guys don't seem to punch as hard as boxers do, so Evander might be all right, but having seen him on the pads, God, he was slow. So I might not want to see this. And people forget Evander's close to 60. He's only a year, if I'm right on this, he's only a year older than Frank Bruno. So are we going to see Frank Bruno do one of these? Like, where does it stop? Where does it stop? Because David's view is, you know, 
the purists are wrong on this one. This is where boxing's headed. People want the nostalgia hit. Kind of true. But I don't want you fighting your best mate for a few million quid. That just sounds like a farce. And then he was talking about, we've all got to move with the times. And, you know, we're, we're, we're using blockbuster thinking in a Netflix world. Yeah, but if boxing is moving forward, you had a promotional company and you had a chance to move boxing forward. If you understood this for so long, like, what did you do? You happily rode along the purist bandwagon. You sat there on BT Sport being a purist's pundit. Now all of a sudden, oh, boxing's changed. I mean, like, these guys will say anything for a few quid, so I won't be watching that. And then, and then, like, just when you think life can't get any worse, you know, they wheel out Tyson Fury again because we're getting to that point where it's, it's a month to go until the fight that's supposed to happen but seemingly struggles to happen and no one seems to have any enthusiasm for this fight to happen apart from Deontay Wilder. I have got me next four fights lined up. Talk to me. Bang, 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 bang. Talk to me. I'm going to destroy Wilder in November. Frank's first time Frank's heard it. And then I'm going to take a fight in December because of all the inactivity. Because I don't, I don't think the Joshua fight's going to happen in December, is it, Frank? I would think March. So, Fe yeah, March. March. So, here's what my uh, bucket list is. I'm going to fight Wilder in October 9th. I'll fight Dylan White back in the UK for the first time in years at a stadium up the north here somewhere, Manchester or something, in December. Let's get a date in December. I'll shut that bum right up. That'll be an easy one. <coughs> and then I'll fight Joshua in March time, where it's in Saudi Arabia. Let's do it. And then we can have a rematch in the summer back here at Wembley. And then I'll go out in my last fifth fight, that'll be about however long, two years, and I'll fight Derek Chisora, that's five fights, yeah? And then I'll take two years out of the ring, just going absolutely come nuts back. again, Frank, and I'll come back at 37, I'll wipe the floor of whoever's next. Now, there's so many things that are wrong with, with that Fury interview, and we'll start at the end. To say I'm going to go two years out again and go absolutely nuts. Now, this is meant to be a guy who advocates for mental health. This is a guy who grifted off mental health on his comeback trail. This is a guy who, you know, that was his whole thing. That was his thing on the Rogan show. You can overcome, you can do this, you can do that. So to watch him then make light of it again, you go back and go, I don't, I just, you don't know what to believe with him. So I believe absolutely nothing that comes out of Fury's mouth. But I like him, he's entertaining. And you watch his interviews because he's entertaining. So he reels off a list of five fights. Wilder in October, Dillian in December, Joshua March and September 2022, and then sign off with Chisora early 2023. Right. There's not enough money in the sport for that to happen. So to fight Wilder, Dillian and Joshua in the space of, what, six months? Really? There's that kind of money, where are you going to get the money from? The wilder money, you kind of know where that's coming from, and that's a big risk in itself. And then Canelo's got to fight straight after that. Right? And before that, Joshua's got to fight. So where's the money in boxing to do this? Then Dillian's fight in October anyway. So what, to make this fight happen in December? That's when you know that that's when the argument starts to fall apart. Now, I, I, I stick to my guns on this. Fury only wants to fight once or twice more. Cash out, be done with it, go back to being a family man. But I think there's a deeper suspicion that he loves money. Much like David, he loves money too much 
and we'd see him back out. Even if he did that firefight list, we'd see him back out again. Me? I just want him to get the Wilder fight out of the way. I don't think it's the same Wilder. I'd like to see the Wilder that fought Stavern. That's the guy I'd really like to see. If they can get me the Wilder that fought Stavern, be absolutely delighted with that. But I don't want to see this timid, tired, jaded Wilder. Like I want to see the rejuvenation because I genuinely think if he can understand the psychology of Tyson Fury and understand that setting about Tyson Fury is the best way to deal with him. You're not going to outbox him. You're not going to outthink him. Rough him up. Make him feel uncomfortable in there. If you thought he cheated last time, you get your dirty work in this time. It's as simple as that. Wilder has to do everything it takes to win because I still believe the biggest fight in boxing is Joshua versus Wilder. I just think there's more chance of that happening. I think there's more chance of us being entertained in that fight. I think the build-up will be a lot better. And I think they're the deserving champions for me. That's just my take. Neither of them's failed a drugs test, so that's why I put my money at the moment. And then, you know, Fury and Wilder can battle it out in the background. So how bad is this sport of ours, right? <laughs> You've got a 58, 59-year-old man fighting Vitor Belfort, a.k.a. TRT Vitor, a.k.a. Fountain of Youth Vitor, a.k.a. Make Miracles Happen Vitor. You've got one-legged David Hay fighting nightclub promoter slash billionaire Joe Fournier. And then you've got washed-up, no-punch-resistance Tito Ortiz against Anderson years past his best silver. And this is going to make more money than Josh Warrington versus Mauricio Lara. If you're going to sketch out what a, what a sport would look like if it were a laughing stock, were a joke, that's what it would be. And we've all fallen asleep at the wheel while this has happened. You know, people have realized that you know, the old school names still carry brand recognition. I'm sure Vitaly Klitschko is looking at what's happening now going, I'm still in shape. Vlad's probably looking at that going, I'm still in shape. How long till they come out? And I don't know if it's a societal point, but oftentimes when there's a strong draw of nostalgia, which there is, and it's not just boxing, it's music. People are going back to stuff like the Stone Roses and the Happy Mondays. They're going back to 808 State, um, a guy called Gerald. Do you know what I mean? You're going back to those things. You're going back to DJSS. You're getting your old tape packs up, Fantasia, UK Jungle, whatever they are. You're getting your old... You mean, it's that nostalgia because we live in a world now where it's not cool to be great. Your kids can't win at sports day. They can't come top of the class. You just have to participate. And I don't mean this literally, but metaphorically. We're living in a world where we're turning men into bottoms. Like, just bottoms. Meek, submissive, do as they're told, don't want to offend anyone, don't want to take any risks, don't want to be the, the nail that sticks out. You know, and it's all a result of cancel culture and this, this kind of weird energy that permeates our society now. And so a lot of boxers find themselves in that media train. Take no risks when you talk. Don't do this. Don't do that. That's why Billy Joe has this really strong appeal. 
because he's a middle finger to everything about them. Billy, Billy Joe Saunders refuses to be a bottom. And in, a, in his own way, Chris Eubank Jr. refuses to be a bottom. Other boxers choose to be. We won't name names. But they choose to be. And so we look back to the, to the boxers who weren't like that. To the guys who said, and I quote, this beating will be as one-sided as a gang rape. Can you imagine saying that now? Like that's straight cancellation. And so boxing finds itself in this conundrum of when will it go back to what it was? The hardest and most brutal of sports. But the sport that had the affection of the public because they knew what you were. You were a warrior. We did not judge you by normal standards because you didn't live a normal life. Now everything's corporate. Go and get your sponsorship. Go and get your sponsorship from Superdry. Okay, we need to just go through your social media profile. Oh, God, you said you don't like Tottenham, so no, we can't have that. We've got a lot of Tottenham fans that buy our stuff. <laughs> it probably is. I can imagine Spurs fans just mooching around in their super dry. I mean, 47 years old in super dry. Tokyo laundry, Jesus. So, I don't know what this means for boxing. I, I think it's a, it's a parody. I think we're basically taking the piss out of the sport. But this is nothing less than the sport deserves. Man. Like, this is the time I'd normally do a preview of a Frank Warren show, but I have zero confidence that either show is going to happen, right? We know what happened to the Saturday show. I wouldn't be surprised if the Friday show gets cancelled as well. And I know people want me to, to gloat about Sonny Edwards getting injured and not getting paid. And the egotistical side of me is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's be honest, right? He's got a partner, a kid, and a dog. And he's got to feed them. They've done me no wrong. So why would I want them to suffer? I wouldn't. You know, sometimes you have to understand that your, your enemy's difficulties and problems aren't a cause for you to celebrate. You can only deal with the issues you have with that person. That's all you can do. So no, I don't, I don't take joy in that. If he lost, maybe. But not, not in getting injured, no. Because he's got people who rely on that that check. I don't know if like he, he feeds his parents and that. So I'm never going to disrespect how someone makes their money because you don't know. It's as simple as that. But, but let's just touch on that actually. How on earth has Frank Warren built such a weak card on a Saturday that one fight scuppers the whole thing? Do you see what I mean about <laughs> these guys spread that butter so thin that it's almost see-through? It's embarrassing, isn't it? <sighs> I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know where it's going. And then he's all there just happy, grinning, happy to be around Tyson Fury and go, oh, well, you know, i get a few quid off this one if he fights. But we know what Tyson's like. He might just decide he doesn't need to do any of this. You know, he might decide to take on the law and see if he can win. But, no, I think it's poor form. You hire out a venue, you sell tickets... And as everyone knows, I'm really close to Denzel. And Denzel's looking forward to that comeback fight. Like, he's, he's got to exorcise that ghost. And Saturday night was his opportunity to do so. So psychologically, I understand what that means for him. I can empathize. So, yeah, I can't, I can't revel in the joy because deep down, there are victims, man. They're real victims who 
Everyone suffers. People don't get to eat now because that show was cancelled. And that's Frank's fault because he can't build a card strong enough. Because he keeps clowning with his, with his fighters. He just keeps clowning like every promoter is doing. Just giving us half-baked products with kind of like, an, like a cherry on top. And then when that cherry goes, man, there's nothing left. It's, it's terrible. And this is why we've got to hope that Sky deliver. Even if it's not great on top-end talent, on, world, on like world-known, world-renowned names, cool. If you give me three or four competitive fights, I know if one drops out, I can still watch the card. So on the subject of Sky, dot, dot, dot. So where are we with Sky? Um, I think since they made the announcement, I've just picked up some interesting little bits of intel on what's going on behind the scenes there. So the first thing I found really, really interesting was how they managed to snaffle up Caroline Dubois. Like, you know, Frank Scott, Daniel, you'd have thought, okay, Frank Scott, Daniel, Daniel trains with Shane. Caroline is going to train with Shane if she's not already. Um, hearing rumours that he's been seen out the building, but don't quote me. Um, I probably, who even told me that? I don't know. But the Dubois, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling for words because I feel we've been here before. I'm hearing that a signing on bonus was asked for in order for Caroline to join the broadcaster that she is with. I also hear that it was paid. Now, it wasn't the same number that Daniel got, but it was a hefty-ish enough number. Don't ask me what the terms and conditions on this one are. I just hope they're nicer than the ones that Daniel signed up to. So what this has done is it's kicked off an arms race among the Olympians especially, but also among the, the talent who you feel could cross over. I'm hearing that Matchroom slash DAZN are offering Olympians, maybe a gold medalist, maybe a bronze medalist, guaranteed incomes of six figures over three years to sign. Guaranteed. No matter how many times you fight, your income's guaranteed. Right? And then that will be on top of finding them endorsements and sponsorships and really supporting their career. So, so that's also been the case. I've also heard that others are being wined and dined by the biggest name in the sport, supposedly. You know, all that being driven back from Heathrow and a Rolls Royce and so forth. So there's a real battle to, to hoover up these Olympians. I think people realize this might be the last really good crop for a couple of iterations of that GB program. But it's crazy because I remember back in the day, like you didn't get deals like this. You didn't get signing on bonuses. You didn't get guaranteed income deals. You didn't. I know some people did. I think, you know, I know some managers have negotiated them where you get the kind of the step up in income over your three fights. But to say, listen, this is how much you earn per year and a sizable amount. Because don't forget, these Olympians, now that they've got medals or they've got that profile, if they stay on the program, you get your 2400 a month plus whatever you can generate in sponsorship. So theoretically, you could make millions in sponsorship. So why would you need to box professionally? You could, you know, you could be the road back to, 
to Paris. So you're having to offer insane amounts of money, relatively speaking, to the health of boxing to get these guys secured. So I find it really interesting that these offers are being made and guaranteed incomes and signing bonuses are being offered by promoters who said they don't do that thing. You know, it's like boxes are pieces of meat in a really, really weird way. And I hope these guys make the right choice. I think right now Sky's the place to be. If not, if not for the long term, definitely for the next 18 months, Sky's the place to be. That's how you leverage your Olympic success and your profile. I think the zone, as Adrian Broner said, you may as well be fighting on Vine or, I don't know, TikTok. Well, now you probably get more views on TikTok. But he was right, like, fighting on an app doesn't do anything for you. So it'll be interesting to see where, where all these pieces land because I know that there are a lot of offers going back and forth, left, right, and center. Some people aren't getting the attention they thought they'd get, which is a shame. Um, and you might see a couple of the guys end up on a, on a Hennessy show. That might be where they, where they grow their brand. So no, no, I think in terms of the, the post-Olympic gold rush, it's just been interesting to see some of these things. What else I want to tell you? I wanted to touch on the, the Joshua Elbow thing. So I don't know if people have managed to see it. So I, I saw this and, you know, I was surprised. And so I gathered some, some intel. And it seems that towards the end of last week, Joshua did something to his elbow. The expectation is that he hyperextended his right elbow. And if you notice, you'll see a lot of the publicity shots involving Joshua are all left-hand punches. There's no real right-hand effort. And he was heavily strapped for for two or three days is that right elbow is heavily strapped so definitely try not to straighten that one out and I, I don't say that to say i hope he loses i say that to say this is this guy's at the top of the sport and yet he's still going to see this fight through it would look like that's old school a lot of people just go right fights off i'm injured i'm not going to be able to and he he'll find a way around this much like Carl Froch did. Because when you're a big guy like he is, a big, powerful guy, man, you're going to get these injuries. You can't let it stop you fighting. Because he's only fighting once a year now. And remember, the Joshua business model is, you, know I mean? you get two fights a year. And so that income becomes insane. But now, one fight a year? And he only just escapes the vaccine passports, but it doesn't seem he's going to be able to escape those for his next fight. Because they think they come in, Scotland's gone for the 1st of October. I don't think... The U England will be too far behind that. But I do want to I do want to shout out Joshua for for carrying on and having the courage to see it through when many other people would have pulled out with that kind of injury. So no nah, man, he's definitely old school. He's definitely a throwback. And Tyson Fury needs to be careful mentioning his name like he's soft because I don't think he is. So I think that covers everything that I, I picked up in the world of Sheffield slash GB. And like I come back to the original point, let's see where these Olympians end up. Because the only one I think we know for certain is, well, two of them now, right? Peter McGrail and Caroline Dubois. The rest all up in the air. I'm expecting Ben to end up 258. Don't know who the broadcast will be, but definitely 258. And then the others, mm, tricky. I just want to spin back to the topic of boxer real quick, because one of the things I find intriguing is Ben Shalom and Johnny Wish haven't done the media rounds. And I think it's okay because the first two cards they announced and the signings generally 
were well received. People quite liked it. People were like, yeah, I can get behind this. Cool. They're not buying the tickets for the October first, uh, October, uh, start again, October second show. People are not buying those tickets, which is a shame because that really should sell out. That's the that's the event that you want. You know, more importantly, it's a chance for the British public to see, you know, G-Man Brown. So, as I always say, follow Jermaine Brown on Insta. He might be one of the stars of this whole boxer thing. Him and Mikel Lowell are guys to look out for. Look out for Linus too and Brad because, like, I kind of feel I've lived their careers for the last five and a half years. And so, you know, you form that bond. But we haven't seen them yet, and I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen when we start putting the pressure on Ben Shalom. Will he come out? Will he have the, the fortitude to come out and speak and engage with the fans? Because he hasn't, he hasn't incurred the wrath of the hardcores yet. So let's see how he copes. Because you know, there are people who've dealt with him in other contexts before who are like, mm, mm, let's see what he's like under pressure. But I do like some of the stuff they're doing. They're, they're, they're trying to be a little bit creative with their content. You know, put boxers in non-familiar positions and let's see how they react. I'm on board with all of that. I'm on board with it. Anything that helps extend the reach of a boxer, I'm 100% on board with. But it's on these damn boxers to take ownership of their careers. And it's on them, above all else, to say, I need to be more than just a boxer if I want to make more than just my purse. Which is a good segue into Steve Goodwin because this is a message I've been trying to share with the people on his stable and also with Steve himself. You're never going to make more than a boxing income if you don't become more than just a boxer or a boxing promotion. It's a harsh reality. And if anyone can go back to the New Age episode of December 2nd, this is what I was saying. And... I had a chance to listen to the Ring Talk episode, episode six, season two. It's a good one, actually. It's a really, really good one. I'm, I think I'm about 17.3% of the content, but I won't be putting a, you know, any request in for royalties. Here's what I will say. I like this version of Steve Goodwin. The, the head above water version of Steve, I quite like. Like watching Steve have to have to graft and, and really, really get things popping on his promotions. I think it's probably good for him, and it's that, that, that shot of adrenaline because a lot of the challenges boxing has aren't directly down to him, but they're down to his success. So Steve was able to create mostly self-sustaining self shows based on getting ticket sellers in, set number of fights, this, that, and the third. And so everyone kind of bit on that style. And you ended up having six or seven different promoters doing that in London and the Southeast. And then people started doing it up North. And so the talent got so diluted that the product started to suffer. And this is what I was talking about back in the tail end of 2018. Promoters had to be custodians of their product. When I go to a Goodwin show, I'm going to a Steve Goodwin show. So I need to know, what does Steve stand for? If I go to a Dennis Hobson show, I'm going to a Dennis Hobson show. I'm not going to a Cash Alley show. I love Cash. I'm not going to a Sam, C Sam Sheedy show. Oof, God, that's hard. If I go to a Mickey Helliot show, I'm going to a Mickey Helliot show. I'm not going to a Craig Wyatt show. I'm not going to a, 
Uh, is it Jose Lopez? I can't even remember. Or Robin Dupree, that's it. I'm not going to a Robin Dupree show. And so it comes back to the point. These promoters now, because you only have seven fights, you have to be custodians of your own product. And I'm not going to say I knew that COVID was coming, but I knew there was a point in boxing where we would have to start looking at what we were giving the fans. Because I was asked this question earlier in the week, and it was this. What would I do now to bring small hall boxing back? And I said, I'd have a big poster somewhere that said, all O's must go. That would be my message for the next 18 months. All O's must go. Boxers trying to stay undefeated for 25, 30 fights and having to manage. Why do you need to manage a professional boxer's career? Like, I get it. Like, don't put a 3-0 heavyweight in with Joshua. Like, that's just common sense. But why can't he have a few hard fights in his first 10 fights? So what if he loses? What's his best learning? Some people need to take a loss to understand what it is to be a professional. So all of this stuff that people used to tell you was gospel. Wow, the first five fights, man. Just put him in with some journeymen. It's all right if he wins 40, 36 every time. It's all right, man. He's learning. He's learning on the job. All that stuff's out the window now. You know, when you've got seven fights, there's no learning on the job. There's no learning on the job. It's let's get it cracking. You versus him, get it cracking. And then suddenly I'm saying, oh, so if I go to a Steve Goodwin show, all these undefeated guys are risking their records. Oh, okay. Whoo. Well, we've got the same thing in two weeks. Yeah, okay. I'll come for this. And I know the next question is, what do you do when everyone's had, a, had their O's taken away? Well, now everyone just fights because there's nothing to protect. And we need to get back to that because that's when the fans will come back because they'll say, oh, you're giving us something now. Finally, after all of these years, you're giving us something. And this is all I was saying back in the day. But I've enjoyed this version of Steve. I think this version of Steve, there's a bit more steel in him. I think this is the version that will be the most successful. But as I've said to Steve many times, he needs to go out and start finding the next big thing. Like, the next big, he may be 18 years old, and he may have 32 amateur bouts, whatever. You need to go and find the next big thing, attach yourself to him. Attach yourself to all of them. Bring him through with Goodwin, bring him through with Wasserman. Be that gatekeeper to the talent. Because Steve's got a lot of, like, boxing wisdom, and... He's got that quite paternal side as well, which is okay. I'm not going to say Steve's the nicest man in boxing. I don't know who the nicest guy in boxing is. What I do know is when you're a promoter, you need some steel in you. So I'd like to see Steve start being that kind of, you know, curator's a really stupid word, but that kind of gatekeeper for these talented guys. Because that's the future. That's your leverage. When you've got access to the talent, you can call in favours and you can get your guys on TV because people will do anything to get to that talent. So you stand between everyone else and the talent and you're good. But now, um, catch that episode of Ring Talk. I think it's really good. And you know, I enjoyed that I was able to stimulate some discussion. And like I said, I, ho I hope Steve weathers the storm and comes out of it stronger because you know 
We have our ups and downs, but broadly speaking, I'm a Steve Goodwin fan. No issues. We can sit down and have a beer. You know, fellow Arsenal fan. So that's all good. Um, that's what I wanted to say about that one. A couple of things I want to touch on. Uh, Frank Warren's show on Friday. So definitely jump on that. Um, I'm a big Louis Lynn fan. I think boxing should have treated him better. He could have also treated himself better. Um, he sided up with the wrong trainers in the beginning. Don't get trained by alcoholics. There's a lesson for you. But I think he's in a better place now. He's around people who are inspiring him to be better. And Louis Lin is super talented. So if you can't get to the Copper Box on Friday, make sure you watch it. Support Louis. He's class. Um, I wish they could have put Denzel on there, but about limits and all that. And Aidan Muhammad as well. Um, big Donald Smith's fighter. Although not as big now. So congratulations to Don. He shed like eight stone. Um, he's looking he's looking lean and mean. I think he's calling people out for sparring now, man. He's he's gonna bring the old the old rolling fists back out. But now shouts out to Don. Really happy for him. You know, the life of a trainer is a long, dark and lonely road, man. Like it's hard to you can empathize, I think, as a non trainer, but it's hard to understand some of those pains that you go through. So, you know, always show support, always show love. I'm happy for him. You know, he's got Aiden Muhammad. He's going to do some amazing things, man. He, the shape he's in right now, that inspires your fighters. When your fighters see that you're in good shape and you've dropped the weight, they look at themselves and go, well, what am I doing? So he's leading by example now. And I just think the sky's the limit for him, if I'm being honest with you. I can't say too much about his plans and stuff, but the sky's the limit for the guy. So I just wanted to say kudos to him because I know behind the scenes he's been grafting really hard and Aidan Muhammad is super talented as well. So that's going to be an intriguing one. Um, God, I think I'm over half an hour, so I'm going to sign off there and say, if you listen to this before your weekend, have a great weekend. If you listen to it afterwards, I hope you had a great weekend and I shall be back soon. You take care, guys. Bye. I'm a father, a loving father. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a semi-good husband. You know what I mean? What? You know, what I mean? I'm just a man out here trying to enjoy my. I, I was born poor. I ain't never had nothing. Man. I don't know how to act. All right. But the real thing is, I'm just, I'm just here to be me. I don't care what uh, you, you think know what? I am or who, or who anyone thinks I am, um, at this stage of my life. But um, yeah, I'm a pretty much of a tyrant titan. Yeah, that's who I am.